Okay, so we're back for another episode of Unwired. Um, I'm trying out a different microphone today, so if you can tell that there's a difference in the vocal tones and my my dulcet tones, are they coming across? But I'm trying a different microphone. Um, If you recall, in previous episodes, I did a microphone test with all the dynamic and compressor, uh, excuse me, dynamic and condenser microphones that I had. And I tried the MXL. Uh, what is that? A 900? 9000? 990. Okay. So it's the MXL 990. And it's funny. I was uh, reading some articles about some good microphones to use. I had been using the Rode NT3 uh, for the last couple of episodes. And I wanted to try um, a condenser microphone that I had. Uh, a dynamic microphone that I had, a, a natty microphone, and I didn't like it at all. So I'm trying something different. So as I'm testing out this MXL, um, I do hear a bit of the semblances, the highs. I may try to cut that out in post, but I do hear some of the the S's and the the really high range coming out. And not so much the bottom, uh, but that's fine. Um, with the Rodecaster Pro that I'm using, um, I can do a little bit of adjustment. Now, the one thing is, you don't get, let's see, as I swing around this microphone, uh, there it, it's got a good range. I'm guessing this is a cardioid uh, microphone. It's picking me up pretty good on the sides. But if I turn my head slightly, there's a definitely a dip in volume so it's it's interesting maybe it's a closer to a super or hypercardioid than just a cardioid microphone so as i was mentioning i was looking up some reviews uh for some different microphones to use and the um, mxl 990 came up on the list and i was like wait a second i have that uh along with a couple of other Uh, condenser microphones what I would like to do next is we have some dynamic microphones workhorse uh, mics the shore which model is this SM58 you know the very the beginning of the decent microphones the workhorse microphones that even recording artists use you know it's it's widely used And then there's the the equivalent Sennheiser, which is the E835, I believe is the, the number, which I think is an excellent microphone for on-camera interviews. Sure, it's wired, but you can't always have wireless. It's just a really great-sounding microphone for picking up a lot of different voices. Uh, so I'm going to try those out next time instead of a condenser mic, see if it makes a difference. So, what are we going to talk about today? I have an interesting project that I'm working on involving programming. Now, what kind of programming? Not your regular command line programming. I'm talking about like touch panel programming, uh, specifically Extron equipment. I was fortunate enough to connect with uh, Sandy Audio Visual and take some 
Extron classes and received some Extron certification. So I'm an Extron certified programmer. What that means is I can get a hold of touch panels and um, configuration devices, uh, control processors is what they call them, and hook them up to different equipment, cameras, uh, displays, um, recorders, all sorts of different equipment, connect all of them together on a network, and then program the panel so that the different buttons can turn on and off things or activate microphones or uh, do a whole host of, of things that you might need for a conference room or a media room or something of that nature. Uh, we've been blessed enough to work in a couple of counties in Maryland and do this type of configuration. And the reason I'm bringing that up now is I went ahead and bought my own set of equipment so that I could practice on. But for the longest time, the equipment just sat here because I need a purpose. I know some people are able to just invent different things that they can do. I'm more purpose-driven. So if I have a purpose, I can go fulfill it. But it's, sometimes it's difficult for me to make up a purpose. It's too easy to slide into uh, bad habits, binge-watching, TV, that type of nonsense, instead of focusing on growing. So if I just pick up a book, but I don't have a reason to uh, pursue, let's say, uh, wiring... There's so many different kinds of wiring, but without an actual purpose, I'm not just going to pick up a book and learn wiring. That's just not the way it works for me. So for me, I have to be purpose-driven. If I'm given a task, oh, I can figure it out. Give me a task and enough time, I'll figure it out. You say, okay, I need to wire this building, but we're coming up with this new type of wiring. Let's see if it works. Well, I can do all the research. I can find out if it'll fit the space, if how long the runs have to be, what kind of frequency it can handle, that type of thing. So, without a purpose, the equipment just sat here for months and months and months, just, just sitting here. Because configuring, programming, it's a different mindset. You have to... Con change the way you think really because let's let's put it as uh, you learn English you learn the framework of English how you create a sentence how a sentence makes sense and we can instantly tell when someone doesn't know English well and the phrasing is wrong instead of how are you doing today the sentence might come out you what is your state of being and technically they mean the same thing how are you doing what is, your, what is your current state? How about that? What is your current state of feeling? It's about the same thing as how are you doing today. But when you program, you really have to change the way you phrase your sentence. Um, when you're dealing with these, even though this is object-based, this is basically object-based programming where you have a button. So you have one set of software called GUI Designer. And you design how the layout's supposed to look. Now, they give you templates, and you can use the templates and then tweak it the way you want. So you design the way the touch panel looks. But that's just part of it. Now you have to program what we call the logic into it. If I press this button, what is going to happen? So um, I'm looking at the screen right now. 
It's set up with my company name on it, Space Age Consulting. Then it has the time. It has a volume control on the side with a slider, not just an up and down buttons, but an actual slider. It has a mute button. It has a system start button. So what I would do then is go into the program called uh, Global Configuration Professional. What is it called? Let's see. Yes, Global Configurator. Okay. And what I would do is I would go in there and program the buttons to do different things. Now, you can make them do anything. You can have as illogical as you want following the system logic. So <laughs> the start button could shut things down if you want. It's just the name. But, you know, you, can, you have it where it's set up, where it'll run commands. You press the button, it'll send commands out. And they've set up the system where... You install drivers for all the equipment you want to use, and the drivers will translate your commands into commands that the, the back-end systems understand. So your system startup, you would say, like we've had to program in certain circumstances, that it's going to turn on the televisions, turn on a projector, bring a screen down, and dim the lights, say, well, that doesn't sound too hard. It's not really, because all you do is you drag and drop certain commands, and then you tweak them to do what you want. You can have, when you hit system start, the volume on your amplifiers is set at 50%. That way people don't go deaf immediately, or you don't get immediate feedback, okay? Then, your um, you can program... You, as I said, you can turn on your projector and your display screen and bring down your screen. Yeah, so the command would probably be, um, like for a screen, you can just have presets that you set up within the system. And then your program button will say, choose preset 1. And then that preset 1, automatically the screen goes all the way to the bottom. Or it can go wherever you want. And then when you have a shutdown button, you could say, go to preset 0, which is closed. The screen goes all the way up. You can program the on and off for the projector. You can program inputs so that you can have buttons on your touch panel that say change the inputs um, for this room or change the inputs for this system. All of that is possible at a cost. But it's excellent in that you're reframing your mind to, to really... Think through the logic of these things. Now, programming, I, I would say I was never great at programming. Many years ago, I, I tried my hand at it. I didn't like it too much. It seemed odd. Uh, I couldn't reframe my mind, and I couldn't get someone to teach me how to do it properly. Back then, they weren't really teaching programming in school. It was, it was for uh, people who just really wanted to learn programming. As I said, without a purpose, it was hard for me to... It was hard for me to think through these processes. So, now that I'm purpose-driven, I have a project and I realize, hey, I need to learn how to do certain things because we have it going through an amplifier, we have it setting... You could set the volume up on the, the inputs... 
You can set the volume up on the outputs. You can set which mics get turned on, how the mics get configured. I mean, these are really powerful control. Uh, let me see. The touch panel would be a surface, and then the control processor would really be enable you to uh, to act. That's what has takes the drivers and enables you to operate the different equipment. So that's just in a nutshell. It's a pretty big nut. But that's just in a nutshell what the what I've been working on lately. What's that you said? That wasn't exciting? Well, not everything in life has to be exciting, but something's got to pay the bills. You know. I'm sorry that you didn't get all riveted by my explanation of programming these touch panels. Let's see you do it. I, I'm, I'm actually starting to enjoy it. Um, it's not great when you, make, when you make mistakes and you forget to program something and then buttons don't work. That's one of the funniest things that can happen when you, you have to do really good testing. Unless you're rock solid and you know you've gone over everything, you better do good testing. Uh, I was working with a setup, and what I forgot to do was, um, as you do the setup, you have pop-up pages. So sometimes you have an actual page with all your information on it, and then you can flip between pages. But most of the time, you're going to use a pop-up page. And what that means is you're going to hit a button on the main screen, and that's going to enable you to access different pieces of equipment to work on. Now, you don't have to have main screens for each of the pieces of equipment. You'll just have a pop-up screen. But with a pop-up screen, you have to be able to close the pop-up screen so that you can get to the other devices. And what happens is sometimes as you program everything, you forgot to program, you forget to program the close button. <laughs> so, you know, usually you have an X on these pages to close out the page. If you forget to put some logic into that to say, um, hide this pop-up page, you're going to end up with a situation where you can't get out of that pop-up page. So then you basically locked yourself out of the rest of the system. One of the funniest things that I did is to um, program a pop-up page on the local page but I programmed the close button to close one of the other panels. I was working with a system with three panels. So sometimes we, you know, to make things quicker, you copy and paste between panels. But each panel has a different IP address and a different, basically, address. So imagine if you have a command to your mail person, drop mail off at the following three houses. But when you do your command to pick up mail, instead of, picking up, so the command would be pick up from house one. And you program the rest of, you know, copy and paste, so you have drop off mail house one, house two, house three, but pick up mail from house one. So then all that's going to happen is the you will only pick up mail from the first house. And in this case, that's what I did. I had it set up so the other buttons would only just continually go back to the first panel. And so you can actually lock yourself out of the other panels and uh, mess up your logic. So you have to really go over these, all the commands you make to make sure you don't lock yourself out. Make sure your routing is correct. There's a whole thought process behind how you program these things to avoid trouble. Otherwise, you end up with uh, many different versions as you just trying to fix the program. 
And that's the other thing I learned. Yeah, I learned something new. That's the thing I learned. In that when you're doing your programming, you have to save each big change I save as a new version. Um, now, you should, we should have all learned that from original programming. That's why you have beta versions, and then you have um, 1.5, then 1.7. It really depends on how you have your programming set up and what you call a major feature release versus a bug fix. Usually, like when I locked myself out of my panels, I would consider that a bug fix. So... I wouldn't go up a whole number. I would say if I started out at 1, version 1, that would be like 1.3, and then you find more bugs, 1.5. And then you get a request, hey, I need to add this feature. At that point, you move up to 2.0 or 2.1, depending. Uh, Sometimes you'll realize that your configuration is just wrong, and so you may have to start from scratch. But if you want to keep the old versions as a reference... Why would you want to reference one that doesn't work is beyond me, but you might want to keep it as a reference. Maybe there is some good in it. It just overall didn't work. You can move up to a different version, or you might just start from scratch, start over from scratch and start with one and wipe out everything. It really depends on how you want to do your vision, your versioning. And the reason why this is significant is at one point I had gotten a stable version And I decided to add a couple of features, and they wouldn't take. For some reason, it kept, the system kept failing, coming back with an an error. And the error basically said, which when I say basically, I mean I had to do tons of searching, and I found a, a program that's not the same as this one, but the error code was exactly the same. And the error code said that I referenced a, uh, an object that wasn't in the system. That's, uh, let's see, that's like telling a story, and you mention Bob, but you never give any background for Bob. You know, who's this Bob? What's, why is Bob important? Why do you insert Bob into the story? And you've never put any reference to Bob at all in the story. It makes for a bad story. <laughs> yeah, that was a lame laugh. So you don't want to have references to objects like, say, you reference a page, but the page doesn't exist. That would be an error. Um, So the idea is, uh, well, I should say not the idea. The problem I had was I couldn't figure out what page it was, and instead of trying to recreate it, I just went back to the old version, uploaded that, and then used that as my next starting point. That's the only way. So that's what I've been doing. And like I said, it's been exciting. I have a, a system here. Um, and I, I, you can immerse yourself. I can lose hours as I'm programming. Because, uh, what was it? I was working on something just the other day. And I get up pretty early. So I looked at the clock and it was 9.15. I'm like, okay, good. This is, I have plenty. Of, I have the whole day ahead of me. Next time I looked up, it was 10.45. And it's like, what what happened to my day? I got so involved in the programming that I lost track of my day. And it's fun. Um, the 
Now, what I haven't figured out is how to advertise myself as an Extron programmer. <laughs> That's next. There's so many different things you can do, so many different things you can get involved in. Uh, Extron has a ton, a ton of equipment. I'm, I'm not a sponsor of theirs. I just know their equipment better than I know some of the other stuff. So that's what I'll be talking about. So if you have any questions for me on that. Hmm, I don't think that worked. That was the wrong time to add the music. So if you have your any questions for me on uh, Extron products, feel free. Uh, their tech support is excellent. Anytime I have a question, I can just give them a call. In fact, I do have some questions for them. And they are really responsive, really, really helpful. And I really appreciate the time they put in because uh, the backing of the product is sometimes more important than your initial uh experience with the product it's how does the product react when you have a problem how does the company react when you have a problem not everybody puts out flawless products so it's up to the company to decide how they're going to deal with that issue and i'm very happy with how extron deals with their issues once again they don't get they don't pay me for saying that i don't get any discount off their equipment i'm just happy to work with them that's not to say it's all roses. I have some questions about uh, their documentation, how you learn certain things, and how the logic works. In some cases, I think it's really quirky. But as I said, they're always ready to help you through an issue, so I uh, can't complain too much. Any other questions you have for me? Please, please, please be sure to write to us, unwiredthepodcast.com. We have Unwired, um, let's see, Unwired the Podcast on Facebook, Unwired the Podcast on Instagram. I promise I'll start doing more Instagram stuff. Uh, it's not my strong suit, and that's one of the reasons we miss Victoria. She was great at following up on that. So reach out to us, let us know if you have any questions, and thank you for listening. There's hoping you hear from us again. Until next time.